Peace and blessings. Welcome back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where economic elevation and spiritual cultivation converge, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. As you got Emmanuel, I'm back in the kitchen whipping it up, and we are back talking about the five levels of attachment um, and going over the last three levels of attachment. Now, once again, if you do not have Audible, I strongly suggest that you get it because um, it is a great way to consume amazing information on the go or in the shower or wherever you are doing what you do the same way you listen to a podcast. Um, there's no reason why you cannot listen to books. Um, the five levels of attachment. I was introduced to it by way of audible. I don't have the physical book yet, um, but I just listened to the audible version time after time after time. And it's amazing. So if you don't have audible, um, go to www.audibletrial.com slash S X S N D L S to get your first month, your first book free, um, and support the podcast at the same time. All right. So let's get into it. Um, this episode, we are talking about the fifth level of attachment, which is fanaticism. All right. Fanaticism, man. It's, it's going to get deep. It's going to get nasty. Uh, it's going to get raw and it's going to get real. So let's review the five levels of attachment. Once again, um, there is, uh, the first level is the authentic self level two preference level three identity level four internalization and level five fanaticism all right once again i did not go in depth about um the authentic self and preference um because they kind of speak for themselves and um as it pertains to solving problems which is what i primarily like to do i feel like we have to talk about the problem areas before we get into the solution areas um, and really work on those problems. And as we unearth those problems and understand the patterns of thought, speech and action that we've been operating in or that we operate in currently, then we can clearly focus on solutions. But we really got to root out the problem. We got to get the weeds out, you know what I mean, before we put this new grass, this new side down. All right. But let's go over the five levels just briefly the authentic self and this is once again the five levels of attachment talks about our attachment to knowledge or lack thereof and the foundational quote that it uses for every chapter is knowledge using you or or are you using knowledge actually they say it the other way around are you using knowledge or is knowledge using you or as diamond would say in the players club or was it diamond or was it, it was the other girl it was the other girl i can't remember her name she's like don't make the don't let what'd she say make the money don't let the money make you you feel me so uh yeah are you using knowledge or is knowledge using you i know that was terrible but anyway um the authentic self I am a living being regardless of my knowledge, which exists only because I exist. Knowledge only exists because you exist. You don't exist to serve knowledge. Knowledge exists to serve and be an ally to you. 
right? We require no knowledge to be our be our authentic self. We don't have to read a book to be our authentic self, right? And our awareness of this is what allows us to use use knowledge as we engage the world. Using our body through our mind as the vehicle that allows us to take action in life. That is operating as the authentic self. Once again, there are moments when we operate in the authentic self um, and it's no longer abstract, but it but it's an experience. So when you're in, when you're in your authentic self, that's during the activities of dancing, painting, any type of, you know, creation, expression, meditating, uh, sex, working out even a, a lecture or a talk where you just kind of get lost in a moment. You get, you lose your sense of time and space and you're just caught up in the moment. Eating is euphoric like that. It's just your authentic self, like who you are. You taste some good food. All your pretension kind of goes out the window, even playing, um, uh, competition. <laughs> you see who people really are. When you start playing a game, competition brings out, you know, folks character, man, when you play a, a good game of Monopoly, hey, it gets real. Y'all y'all know what I'm talking about. So um, the, that's the authentic self preference. The statement for preference, I use knowledge as the tool by which I engage my preferences in life. At the second level of attachment, we still move with an awareness of our authentic self. We recognize our ability to attach ourselves to something as we engage in the present moment. But we also are able to let go of the attachment once the moment has passed. As we talk about if we talk about the scriptures, this is when Paul says, um, I become all things to all men so that I might win them over something to that effect. I'm not don't quote me a, a thousand percent, but becoming all things to all men. Right. Like that's. That's uh, an example of operating in a level of preference. Seeing yourself as a reflection, uh, seeing seeing ourselves as a reflection of life in the dream of the planet. And we attach and detach ourselves with ease simply by recognizing and letting go of that reflection. We use it as it serves us. Um, we don't serve it. Now, when we start serving knowledge, as opposed to knowledge serving us, that's when we start getting into the identity level um, with identity. I identify myself with knowledge, although I use it to see and understand the world. When it comes to understanding ourselves, our identity is a symbol that can be wrapped up in an expression of our knowledge. Um, when speaking mind to mind, knowledge recognizes knowledge. So we become attached to the mask of our identity right at this level we forget that the mask of our identity is an empty symbol just as language can change over time so too can our identity mask as we increase our attachment to our identity knowledge and consensus become very important to us to the point that they give us meaning in life it's a dangerous area when we get into that conditional form of acceptance and when knowledge and consensus become more important than our level of authenticity and preference and understanding how to use preference. Right. So identity is a mask that we use in public as we become adults. Sometimes we get to the point where we think the mask is us. The mask is not us. Your identity is not your authentic self. It is just a mask that you put on. It is an attachment to knowledge 
where you are allowing knowledge and consensus to use you. All right. And then internalization, what we talked about previously, the statement for internalization is my identity in the form of knowledge gives me the rules and guidelines by which I live my life. Internalization describes a degree of attachment to knowledge where our identity becomes the model in which we accept ourselves. This is domestication through attachment. At the level of internalization, we will distort the information we receive to reinforce the conditions of which we expect from life. The narrators in our brain, in our mind, serve our need to validate who we are in our personal dream, as well as the face we present to the world. That identity mask, our knowledge is corrupted in the internalization attachment. Our sense of self is the personification of our beliefs and our will is subjugated by the need to fit in with the dream, with the consensus. Thus, our mask may not necessarily be in the form of our passion, but we will wear whatever mask we think we need to be accepted. Right. And when you notice yourself not following your passion because you feel like you need to wear that mask, you notice yourself not being yourself in all areas of life. Don't you hate it? Like working for an organization or a, a corporation and they make you feel like everything you do, even digitally, your digital personification, your digital footprint has to reflect them or it does reflect them. And so you feel like you can't express yourself even online the way that you would authentically express yourself. Right. And so things that you're passionate about. That internalization of your attachment to knowledge of who you are, your profession, your ratio, so on and so forth. Right. Like. We wear the mask that's not necessarily in the form of our passion, because the line of work that we do is not in the form of our passion. But we wear that mask. Or whatever mask we think will be accepted when we do it to be accepted. It hurts. Us doesn't hurt anyone else, but us It hurts us first. And then if we if that's unresolved, then it spreads to others. Acceptance is the reward of domestication, while rejection is the punishment. We use certain patterns of thought, speech and action as terms of acceptance and rejection of not just others, but ourselves. Now, let's get into fanaticism. Now, that was internalization. Now let's get into fanaticism In fanaticism. My knowledge controls my every action. What is fanaticism? What is the definition of fanaticism? According to Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. He says fanaticism is a rigid attachment to knowledge with an obsessive intolerance of opposing views. It is driven by the need to believe in something 100 percent even though that something's meaning is dependent on the agreement of others. Sounds a lot like religion. When I was reading this, I was triggered. I was like, man, this feels like religion at the level that I was attached to religion, right? Christianity to be specific. Once again, not that Christianity is bad or any religion is bad, 
but my level of attachment and the way that I express myself or it expressed expressed itself through me my knowledge controlled my every action so once again definition of fanaticism that we're operating on is a rigid attachment to knowledge with an obsessive intolerance of opposing views it is driven by the need to believe in something 100% even though that something's meaning is dependent on the agreement of others so this thing only works if everybody else agrees it's not some universal law it is when we talk about man-made religions and you know this is when this belief system only works if everybody agrees anything that contradicts or puts into question the sustainability of the belief is a direct threat and the fanatic will believe the threat at any cost prejudice intolerance and violence are the instruments by which beliefs are imposed onto the dream of the planet once again at the attachment level of fanaticism the driving force behind fanaticism is not hate or anger but rather an extreme form of conditional love for self and others this whether it's pro-blackness whether it's some type of religion whether it's some form of ideology some political ideology this is how any whether it's capitalism whether it's communism nationalism whatever ism whether it's um, your identity and internalization about um, sexual preference or sexual expression whether it's your identity of of uh, your your business or business model or the uh, the type of food that you eat right the type of products that you consume or don't consume this is how any beautiful belief in the world can become lost in corruption as knowledge controls a person's will for the sake of its own existence once again the driving force behind fanaticism is not hate or anger but rather an extreme form of conditional love for self and others this is how any beautiful belief in the world can become lost in corruption as knowledge controls a person's will for the sake of its own existence okay so some examples of this in the book it talks about um, uh, a, a vegan uh, a vegan mother right whose son is like yo I want carne asada and she's like well guess what we don't eat meat in this house and if you don't like it you can leave right the parent kicks the child out the house it's such a rigid attachment to um, just a, a diet that they'll reject their own family right some folks have seen this when it comes to religion. If you don't go to church, you can leave because we go to church in this household on Sunday morning. Right. It's certain people. If, hey, if you're not a, a Democrat, 
you can leave because any ain't no Republicans allowed in this place and vice versa right it's an fanaticism once again a rigid attachment to knowledge with an obsessive intolerance of opposing views so not everybody is at this level but this is like the level of why you see people go to war over ideals right this is why you see fans get in fights at football games and soccer matches right like people will get beat up beaten to an inch of their life or even get killed because of this fanaticism this rigid attachment with an obsessive intolerance for opposing views this is how bringing it back to blackness because i've been talking about pro-black and whatever you know just the black card all that type of stuff when it comes to black americans this is how if y'all if anybody's on twitter you can i don't know what hashtag to look up but there is just just on twitter i don't know how much is happening in in real life but there is this huge rift between black americans and non-black americans so there's the the ados group um which was essentially led by Yvette Carnell and Antonio Moore, uh, American descendants of slaves, which is essentially uh, a black American kind of democratic group that was talking about uh, reparations in America for, for black Americans. And then there's the found the FBA group, hashtag FBA, hashtag B1, right? Um, which the, the term was coined by Tariq Nasheed, foundational black Americans. Uh, and that's a term that is that was created to delineate black American culture from other um, black folks in America. So that when it comes to justice claims and specifically a claim for reparations, that it only goes to the lineage of people that were found black people that were foundational um, to the country's inception not giving reparations just based on race because everybody wasn't here to help lay the foundation and build America as it pertains to black folks in America. Right. And so there's this delineation of black Americans who can trace their lineage back to slavery. And then the black Americans that are real, the real African Americans or just those from the African diaspora, whether it's the Island, the Caribbean islands, um, Central and South America and or continental Africans that come over um, and can be labeled as black, but then they don't necessarily see themselves and function as black. And some of them kind of have some negative things to say about black people just based upon stereotypes and what was told to them um, before they came over to America. Right. And so. There's a level of fanaticism and rigid attachment to knowledge with an with an obsessive intolerance of opposing views between the black American groups and the non foundational black American groups. And they're on these Twitter spaces and they're arguing. And what used to be a, a connection between black folks and, you know, pan-Africanism and black consciousness where you have black Americans looking to build bridges with others. Now there's this like degrading of that type of activity. And there's more of a 
separation between groups. Not saying it's good or bad, but where it gets bad for any um any good idea, right? Any kind of pure, beautiful belief, it gets lost in corruption when knowledge controls a person's will for the sake of its own existence. Right. And so there's this obsessive intolerance for opposing views where someone comes in and says a view that doesn't align with the ideology. And then you have people attacking one another over ideas and views that they personally did not create. But someone created this identity and then people latch on to that identity and then there's an, a process of internalization where you internalize and you judge yourself by the knowledge that was given. Like, hey, we're different from all, from all these other black people. And it's like, yeah, we are different, aren't we? Yeah, they do be talking down about us, don't they? And then it gets to the level of fanaticism where your knowledge controls your every action and anything that comes against in any person you know, any person that is a black immigrant, I'm talking about the talking about the the foundation, foundational black American ideal and interaction with of those people with others that are non foundational black Americans at this point. That's what I'm talking about. Right. And so that knowledge controls even your interaction. So anytime you see or come in contact with or speak with someone who's not a foundational black American. You already have a level of rejection, a level of antagonism towards that person before they open their mouth. And then you and then you you place that knowledge on them and expect them to have the same beliefs as you. And if they don't accept any of your beliefs. Then you outright reject them. And we are in, once again, a system of white supremacy, a system of systematic prejudice, discrimination and antagonism, antagonism towards non-white people. So in a system like this. That level of internalization. Is not going to help us. In the long run. We live in a world where divide and conquer has been the strategy of choice for the so-called white supremacists. If we divide and conquer ourselves and allow that mentality to live within us, it's bad for lack of a better term. I'm trying to find a bit. It's, it's bad, right? Let me let me go back to the book. Let me go back to the book. Right. So once again, it said the driving force behind fanaticism is not hate or anger, but rather an extreme form of conditional love for self and others. This is how any beautiful belief in the world can become lost in corruption as knowledge controls a person's will for the sake of its own existence. So going away from the pro black stuff, you can talk about I can talk about Christianity. Right. When I was a Christian, I was taught to be. Um, very weary of anybody who was not a Christian, because if you listen to them for long enough, whether it's the music or entertainment or in schools or whatever the case might be, if you listen to them, they're going to corrupt you. 
And so you got to reject anybody else's ideas, any other religious idea or notion. You have to reject it at all costs without even critically thinking about your own belief system. You reject everybody else because you cannot be accepted as a Christian if you are if you bring a Quran in the church, if you start reading the Quran, if you say, well, I, I want to study Buddhism. Well, I want to study Judaism. Well, you know, let me let me really get into the life of Jesus. Did he really, you know, if you start doing that at the fanaticism level, you are rejected. Right. And at the fanaticism level, you'll you'll reject yourself. Because you've been because that that internalization has taken root in and sprung up into a level of fanaticism, which is a rigid attachment to knowledge and and an obsessive intolerance of opposing views. No opposing view is worth anything with fanaticism. A person's belief, a person's beliefs have fully and completely domesticated them and knowledge becomes rigid and controlling. This knowledge has a tight grip on our will at the level of fanaticism. Attachment at this degree requires us to try and domesticate everyone around us and we become tyrants. At the fanaticism level of attachment to knowledge. We try and domesticate everyone around us and we become tyrants. Yo, you gotta, you gotta witness to them, man. You gotta proselytize. Yo, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta speak the gospel. And if anybody don't accept the gospel, you gotta, you gotta keep, you gotta keep spitting that gospel, man. You gotta keep winning souls and making disciples. Right? And then we, we become tyrants in our level of belief. And there's no freedom in tyranny. At the level of fanaticism is a complete loss of respect for another living being. This is why you can have holy wars and it be justified as holy. Because with fanaticism, that rigid form of attachment and that obsessive um, intolerance of opposition. This is how you dehumanize people. At fanaticism, fanatic, that fanaticism level of attachment is the complete loss of respect for another living being. When we no longer see an individual as a living being, but only an idea. What is their ideology? Mm. They're eligible for mistreatment. Individuals that take an irrational action as a result of their fanaticism fanaticism all suffer from a form of, of illusion which they believe they are justified in taking such action fanatics also impose unrealistic standards on themselves by trying to trying to fit a mold at the risk of their own life once again holy wars um and even let's take it away from religion let's talk about just diet right once again, fanatics also impose unrealistic standards on themselves, trying to fit a mold at the risk of their own life. 
So we see that in eating disorders, anorexics or bulimics. The image of oneself can become so distorted that one's own perception of their own humanity becomes lost. There is no awareness that a line has been crossed. Only an illusion remains. This is how folks end up like you. You wonder why, like if someone is in a cult, like how did they get? There? How did they operate? How did they do what they do? How do they just separate themselves, cut off their family, see their family as the enemy? How could they kill someone that's a part of the cult? That all of a sudden they just someone said, oh, that person is is against the master or they're against the way or they're against the brothers. And they can easily eliminate that person with no remorse. The image of oneself can become so distorted that one's own perception of their own humanity becomes lost. There is no awareness that a line has been crossed. Only an illusion remains. Loved ones can do their best to try and wake someone from this illusion. But as with anything, the individual must have an authentic desire to change their mind. But that doesn't mean that the loved ones should stop trying. A will or desire to live is the catalyst for that change of mind. Once that desire is found and respect for one's humanity is regained, the individual can move down the levels of attachment. At this point, the illusion can begin to fade. Letting go of this attachment starts by respecting our own life. <clears throat> I was a fanatic for Christianity. I, and I'll, I'll be honest, man, there, there have been times I remember in my early 20s, man when you know i had internalized and fanaticized about christianity so much to the point where i wouldn't say i was suicidal but i really i I would have thoughts of like ah you know what man i'm not even i'm like not like i would i would hold myself to that to that unrealistic standard of trying to be like christ and be sinless and all that and I will hold myself to such a standard that I thought everybody else was holding me to in, in church. Cause when you go to church, you go to a certain church, everybody make it seem like they just holy and they don't never sin. So it was like, dang, why, why can't I be like them? Why can't I be like the pastors and the deacons and the choir members and the choir leaders and all these people preaching and, you know, talking about how we got to do this and do that. And you know what I mean? It's like, dang, well, maybe I'm just no good on earth. Like maybe I'll just be better off in heaven because I can't get it right down here. Like all I do is sin. Like God, you know what? If you, if you took me, I wouldn't be mad. I think I'm, I'm better off in heaven anyway, man. Like, cause I can't seem to get it right. Th those were, those were thoughts that would go through my mind. Once again, more prevalent in my, in my early twenties. Right. Um, And that was just fanaticism, that that uh, illusion of perfection, that rigid attachment to knowledge, that obsessive intolerance of anything other than what the knowledge says. 
and not really realizing that all of this stuff only works because other people agree to it and they kind of put pressure on you and then you start putting pressure on yourself and it's just a vortex of pressure psychological pressure nothing nothing really happening but just so as it pertains to pro-blackness as it pertains to whatever your thing is whatever your identity is whether it's your your ethnicity your nationality your profession or maybe a combination of all these things I mean I'm the I'm the first black judge in this county like how how could me as the first black judge how can I not I gotta I gotta make sure I represent for everybody yeah you know I hear you but who says you have to right save yourself man if we don't take care of ourselves if we don't love ourselves if we don't accept ourselves all that acceptance from others it, it, it means absolutely nothing it means absolutely nothing you are a divine being we can't manifest on a level that we want to and at levels that we can't even imagine like there's levels of, of manifestation that we're working towards and once we get there we're like wow this is crazy who knew but those levels exist they're attainable but we have to get out of our own way there's certain things you can create certain products and services and systems that we can create as entrepreneurs as as professionals whatever we're a subject matter expert in there are certain things that we have the capability because we have that skills that we know how good we are but we just have to get out of our own way we cannot allow knowledge to use us we have to use knowledge knowledge is our ally knowledge only exists because we exist we are greater than that and you don't need knowledge to understand who you are to experience life at the highest level or at, I don't want to say the highest level but the most authentic level okay I'm a land right there if you have any criticism, constructive, if you just have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. Um, you can message me on Instagram at Socks and Sandals Podcast. Uh, and you can you can use any medium to get at me. Um, Socks and Sandals Podcast at gmail.com. Um, at SXSNDLS on Twitter. Um, yeah, you can you can hit me on, on those mediums. Uh, and let's talk. All right. Once again, it's the Socks and Sandals podcast where economic elevation and spiritual cultivation converge. And we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. Holla at y'all next time. I hope you have enjoyed this series. Grace and peace.